This, boys and girls, is how you sneak. This is where the gaslighting gets really good. My nickname around these parts is Dead Weight. I haven't been considering scissor. I'm prepared to travel in time. We were deep into an Adam Sandler rabbit hole in this podcast. How did that happen? A lifetime of Hallmark. Well, hello, everybody. It is your favorite day of the week. It is time for another episode of A Lifetime of Hallmark where we talk about movies on both Lifetime and the Hallmark Channel, and we try to make sense of them. I am Les Kirkendall Barrett. Hello, Jason Bowers. Hello, Les Kirkendall Barrett. And hello, Kurt Fitzpatrick. Hello, Les Kirkendall Barrett, and hello, Jason Bowers. And I guess with our, uh, with, with, the, with the movie that we're saying, I guess I, the movie that we're talking about I guess I better give an obligatory, how you doing? Because we are talking about <laughs> Wendy Williams today. Yeah. Is that what she said? Yeah, that's her that, catchphrase. That, that's her catchphrase. And then you have to do your hands like this, and you have to go, how you doing? And no, by the, like this, since it's an movie. audio podcast, it's, it's almost like you're making two claws with your hands. Yeah, I didn't know that was her catchphrase, so I found it a little disconcerting when she said it at the very end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, she says that every day. Okay. We're um, kind of Wendy Williams show of our own. We talk about Black China. We talk about mm-hmm. people in the news. Well, Wendy Williams is friends with Black China. Yeah. But I she think Cur- Angela. I think Curse is saying that, like you know, we're we're kind of covering the same kind of ground here. We should be we competing are, with Wendy for guests. Headed, Wendy Williams. Well. As you can imagine, it is one of my life, one of my life missions to be a guest on the Wendy Williams show and sit on the purple couch. Oh, I can see that happening. Because I tell you, once we get into this, I tell you what, you know how I am big on snooping and how I talk about snooping. It, and it takes a lot to impress me with snooping. Wendy Williams snooping impressed me. Oh, yeah. That was some good snooping. I agree. Yeah. There's, and, there's montages in this movie, too. There's a montage in a montage. Yes. There was a, <laughs> a, a, a montage that I enjoy in movies. The somebody is uh, fucked up on a substance montage. Because it's always usually like they're in a nightclub and the lights are kind of like strobing and like it's zooming in and out of their face as if their head is pounding. Well, the funny thing is, is like that nightclub scene I was like, oh, I've been to that oh, club. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the actual club? No, but I mean, the scene and just oh, the way yeah. that it was like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. like, oh, I've been to that club. That's, that's why I enjoy those moments in movies. I'm like, oh, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> they got a couple of montages of the, the, the magazines and newspaper, newspaper headlines and a little boy in the street corner saying, extra, extra, read all about it. Mm-hmm. Wendy Williams. that is an old-timey montage we don't really get in movies anymore is the 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 headlines on newspapers and then like you see the the newspaper like spinning on the screen and like and then you see the headline of like the most gigantic (laughs) double 72 point font you've ever seen and then you see like and then you see a newsstand with like somebody buying up all the copies that doesn't really happen anymore okay yeah how they film that back in the day would they they put a 
where they put a camera on a wheel in a car and spin it around. And shoot. They probably <laughs> filmed it on like a lazy Susan or something. And that was probably like effects, like huge effects back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like that, that was like Marvel level special effects. <laughs> people, then, people don't um, talk enough about the the innovative spinning newspaper effect of the 1920s that propelled the film industry forward. You know, I'm sure, I think it was a practical effect. I mean, yeah. I, I, think they, I think they attached a camera onto a car. You said a lazy Susan. That, that's a possibility too. <laughs> now, now, as you guys know, and I've admitted it, and I'll admit it to the listeners too. So, as you all know. I love Wendy Williams. I watch her show every day. Some of the stuff that, like, when she was talking about some of the stuff that she was, that was happening, I remember when it happened because I was, happened to be watching some of those days. So I got so caught up in the movie that I didn't take notes because I was so caught up in watching it. Uh, build up to an excuse. So I, oh, oh no, I watched it. Oh, and I watched it two and a half times. Why a half? I know you, cause I know you rewatched to take notes. What's the other half for? Um, I started it cause I thought it was on at six, but it was actually on at five on my TV. So I started a little late. Oh God. So it. the day of I watched it and then went back and watched it up until I started. Wow, you knew how it ended before it started. Well, I know how it ends anyway because I watch her every day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and once we get to certain parts, so she was, uh, so today, I guess there was a big snowstorm on the East Coast. Yeah. So today was the first day she was back. And there's certain things that she, when we get to, I'll tell you, she filled in the blanks and it was actually certain things was even more than they showed in the movie. And she kind of talked about those parts. So I'll mention those. Okay. We get that. But before we start, is there any black China news? Doing a piece of China. 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 I'm talking China. The Black China Report. Here's Kurt Fitzpatrick. This is from the Daily Mail, uh, .co.uk. This is from yesterday. Black China and her alleged, quote-unquote, bisexual beau, Lil Twin, hand out 200 bags of essentials to homeless on Skid Row. Fashion Nova influencer Black China and her alleged, quote-unquote, bisexual beau, Lil Twin, <laughs> 200 bags of essentials to homeless people on Skid Row in downtown L.A. on Saturday. The D.C.-born 32-year-old, born Angela White, and the 23-year-old heartless love rapper both made sure to protect themselves and others from the coronavirus by wearing face masks. Uh, uh, How is this word pronounced? Indigent. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay. Indigent folks are far more susceptible to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has infected 1.1 million Los Angeles, uh, Los Angelinos and killed 16,770 as of Monday, according to John Hopkins University. 
Rapper Queasy G claimed he was dating. Boy, what a transition. <laughs> Queasy G. I, I'm Rapper. still stuck on, like, normally these these Black China stories, it delves into a really long explanation of what she was wearing, and this one's given COVID numbers. Oh, no, right? no, this, this gets to everything. Okay, Rapper Queasy D claimed it's science facts, it's outfit facts. So, Rapper Queasy D claimed he was dating a little twin, a.k.a. Hector Macho, Macho in December before Black... And he shared several eyebrow-raising Insta stories captured by Gossip of the City. While in Skid Row, China stripped off her camouflage coat to strike a pose in a gray Fashion Nova tracksuit and white Chanel sneakers. But wait, let's get back to those COVID statistics. No, I didn't say that. This, all right, today, this today story veers not- wildly all over the place. <laughs> right. Today, to give back, the Tutu video vixen said, I'd just like to thank everybody that came out and volunteered and donated. This is actually my second time out here after June 7th with Blessed Bag. And it's truly, truly an honor, which I think we covered that back in back in June. Uh, the nonprofit CEO, Bella Baskin Bronson. She's pretty hot, too. I saw a picture of her. Uh, oversaw a charitable endeavor, which provided over 20 items like water, food, three-ply three masks, Milo blanket, Mylar blanket, and more in each bag to the needy. Okay, the next paragraph says, on December 8th, Black and ex-fiancé Rob Kardashian finalized their custody agreement, co-parenting. What does this have to do with feeding the homeless? This feels like a Black China blog. Like, they keep giving all these different parts of Black China. Co-parenting a four-year-old daughter, Dream Renee, according to Us Weekly. However, China is still battling the reclusive 33-year-old's famous family in court over the cancellation of their e-reality spinoff Black in China 2016. Where was this article? I guess they get paid by the word. It's hard to believe that Kardashian, the ex-stripper formerly known as Cream, only did, we didn't know that. Cream? (laughs) I didn't know that either. Considering the legal battles that ensued. Just two more paragraphs. Black also has an eight-year-old son, King Cairo Stevenson. From her three-year-old romance with ex-fiance Taiga, which ended in 2014, China currently makes her living creating $300 custom videos for fans on Cameo. I don't know if that's true. We looked that up before. I don't know if that's true. As well, well that was as her, OnlyFans, wasn't yeah, it? I don't think it's not Cameo. As well as her $19.99 a month subscription to site OnlyFans. I'm going to look up Black China on Cameo right now. We looked that up before and she's not on because she can't do can't, you know, because she's all her fans. She's migrated them all to OnlyFans. I'm going to, I'm just doing this right now. How much does, just to see what pops up if I Google this. Black China charge on Didn't we look this up once? Because we're we <laughs> talking about just paying it to get her to do a promo. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So this is a. So this is dated April thirteenth of nineteen of twenty twenty. Okay. So this one from April thirteenth says, "Black China is now selling fans a Facetime call for nine hundred and fifty dollars." And a follow back on social media for two hundred and fifty dollars, but that's of uh, that's April thirteenth. But it says here Black China cameo. So I'm going to go to the. I'm actually on the cameo website. Oh my God, it's right. Black. I'm looking at Black China yeah. cameo right now. So it says Black China. Here's a picture. Here's right. a picture of Black China. Yeah. yeah. Is it verified? And Does it have a blue check? It has a star. Okay. And it says, 
Black China TV personality. Her ratings, she's got a 4.8 out of 5. Oh, that's that's good. very good. The reviews. She that's says... There's a review system in Cameo. <laughs> she, she then says, don't be shy. I give the best shout outs. Oh, good. Um, and it says, th- request $300. And oh, she has a payment plan. She has a payment oh, plan. We can so get Black China on layaway? Yeah. So it's $300, but you can make four interest-free payments of $75. I'll see if I, if, I, if I get a mortgage approved for that. Then, yeah, so $300 mortgage. If you want to chat with her, you can add an extra $19.99. Ooh. Well, that yeah. sounds like a good deal to me. She has, 40, she has 42 reviews. So, like, a lot of five-star. I, five I would pay the... Uh, what was it? Two fifty for a social media follow back? Like if Black China started following our Instagram? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I guess I would chip in. Yeah. Okay. That's a business expense. Uh-oh. We can write that off. Yeah. I guess I'm looking at some of Black China's reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of them are five stars, but I'm not going to talk about those. I say so. She got a one star. Uh, it's September of 2019. Oh, what happened? Uh, way too fast. Doesn't give everyone a shout out. Clearly not trying. Hmm. More five stars. It's mostly, she's mostly getting five stars. Though. Four okay. stars, five stars, three stars. Mm, what happened there? Okay, this was reviewed by G mm. on February. Uh, oh my God, this is today. Oh, third of oh. 2021. Okay, what? Oh, gee, why are you mad? This was the third cameo I've purchased, and it was much shorter than the other two. So we were a little bummed out about that, but our recipient loved it, and that's a good friend to get you a three hundred dollar cameo. Yeah. I wonder who else? What are the cameos they did? Like Gary Busey and I want to believe they- that this person only buys Black China cameos. Now they say they got, they got two others. Well, they're I know, but I'm it's, saying like they, they could have bought two others from Black China. Oh, look at this. Black China is hardworking because today is February 3rd and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. What are you counting? 13, 14 of her reviews. This is how many cameos she's done today. Oh, okay. Well, she, like, she probably knocks them out in one, one sitting. You know what I mean? Like, she probably doesn't do, go on there every day. She probably does them, like, for the week. Yeah, today. Today. She's, like, that's how many she's done today. I think I'd hit it off with Black Chen. And today, and I guess today, today was a good day for her because... They were all five stars except for one gave her four stars. Oh, that was she was on her game today. I thought she gave her three stars. That was from another day. Oh, okay. This is all I'm looking all I'm looking at February third. She's every she, other than the one four star. Everybody else gave her five stars. So she was 
She was well rested. She was on point today. You know who else is deserving of five stars? We are for our podcast and whatever platform you listen to us on. Yes, we are. Five stars, please. By the way, we also have some William Katniss. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Chris, do you have a William Cat report? And now, the greatest American hero report. Here's Kirk Fitzpatrick. Well, our very own Jason Bowers had uh, had posted something on Facebook about uh, William Cat. I think that William Cat used to be desirable back in the day. This led me to looking up his net worth. And me. Yes. I you both. <laughs> was, found out that, I don't know, he said it's only worth 500000 I don't think I mean, that's right. I don't think that's right. I, I Because... Well, I don't know. He might only be worth half a million, but I, the Connie Selica one that Les looked up. She was also on the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she's got to be worth a few million because John Tash still does a nationally syndicated radio show and made an um, unbelievable amount of money doing his music. So I, I think that figure's wrong. That's more than 500,000. He doesn't have a house. It's 500,000. Oh, man. Yeah. Here's a question. Who, because I looked up some other net worths. I was up late doing this. So, okay. I Okay, so I wanted to know who is worth more, Amy Poehler or Kristen Wiig? I bet Poehler. Okay, well, they're both worth the same, according. But how much do you think it is? A couple, like, double-digit million. Yeah. Yeah, easily. Because Poehler has produced a bunch of shows. That's why I think she easily... It has more than Kristen does because these uh, things are like, never correct. And she owns UCB, right? Does she own UCB? Yeah, but they're struggling. Uh, she owns part of it. Some school. I don't think. I don't. I don't know. But what the answer? The correct answer to that is. But uh, well, no, they gave a number. I don't know if net worth, <laughs> celebrity net worth is reliable. It's not. But what, it's do you not. Think, what do you think the number is that they gave for these? Amy? Um, just based on like she's produced several shows which have made it on the air she's you know done a, a decent amount of acting you figure in like assets like home and stuff i bet she's around 40 or 50 mil uh, they said 25 okay oh they said 25 Ooh. with a two now julia louise dreyfus is worth it ton of money well she, she had money before. money before she was on tv well she's a dupont right she's something yeah she's, she's she she i i don't yeah it might be dupont but i know she her family is basically mil, uh billionaires so yeah, yeah. oh jeez. yeah that boy brad hall boy he hit the lottery yeah so this is kind of like she's probably like julie lou who i love who i love and is one of mm-hmm. like my favorites and so I guess she kind of, but she kind of goes into the, I think I want to be an actress category. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I, I love Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, yeah, yeah. So do I. Did I ever say this little story that years ago I read when she was on SNL? The last year she was on SNL, Philadelphia Inquirer wrote, um, they had a roundup of the TV season. They said, worst variety performer, female, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. For what? And- for uh, for SNL, and I always remember that because I thought she showed them seriously. Yeah, because I and think it, every series she's been in has been a hit. Every mm-hmm. single one. Yep. Yeah. They had the best one, the best Friday performer. They they said Pamela Stevenson, who was also in SNL that year. 
Who's wow. Pamela Stevenson? Exactly. Uh, she's a, a, a blonde, tall blonde woman, if I recall, yeah. but I don't remember anything about her. She married uh, Billy Connolly. She got out of show business and she became like a psychologist or something like that. Psychiatrist. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Huh. She used to be on Not the Nine O'Clock News, which was a popular British show. I think she was the only, she's the only SNL cast member who was Australian. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Maybe. I, I think I'm correct on that. Okay. Ah. <laughs> That's right. No way for anyone to check what with the internet and all. <laughs> I'm not gonna That's right. Yeah. People can let us know if I'm wrong. Yes. Well, shall we shall we embark on our trip to Wendy Williams land? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the Wendy, what is it? What was it called? Wendy Williams. Wendy, Wendy Williams, Williams the movie. Wendy Williams the movie, and then afterwards, I watched the documentary Wendy Williams. What a mess! Yeah, I couldn't do that. I put that on my my, my DVR. They wouldn't let me watch it for some reason. I don't know what happened. Well, she was a mess. <laughs> so we start with the opening of the Wendy Williams show, and she's getting ready to go on stage. And she's preparing, she's backstage, she's getting ready to go on stage to say, how you doing? But right before she goes on stage, she stops and she turns and she starts talking to the camera. Well, Les, you you left out the movie starts with a montage. Of a, the, oh, like there, There's the, like a paparazzi montage about Wendy Williams scandals. That's how the movie starts. I'm surprised you didn't. tabloids. Yeah. Yes. Like that's right up your alley, Les. Yes. Well, there were so many montages in this one yeah. that I got overwhelmed. <laughs> I did get, there was like a ton of montage. This movie, uh, in some parts of this movie, it kind of put me on sensory overload sometimes. Really? Because there was a lot going on. <laughs> so... Um, so she's talking to the audience and I brought here, the actress really does look like a younger version of her. Yeah. Yeah, She really did. And so, um, so we start off with little Wendy and I'm surprised she's not like psychologically scarred because she was an overweight kid her parents let her know that she was overweight. <laughs> like they, no. she said. So she said like she said she had a, she was on her first diet at five years old, um, and her parents would like weigh her every day. And then so she's getting ready to go to this party, and her mother is like, "Remember, don't talk too loud, don't talk too fast, don't tell too much." So, I guess she was a mouthy kid. And so she's at this birthday party. She's taller than the other kids. And before she went to this party, she's trying to fit into this dress, this party dress, but she was having a hard time zipping it up. And like her mom's giving her shit about it. And so she goes to this birthday party and they're playing musical chairs. She, it's her and the hostess, the, who was like a little bitch, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Because they play musical chairs. Wendy gets in the chair. Fair, it was all fair and square. 
So she sits in the chair, and then the the little host of the party starts having a tantrum because Wendy didn't let her win. Yeah, because it's her birthday. So why why can't she win on her own birthday? Right. Which it's like, okay, little girl, that's just not how it works. That's yeah. not how life works. But so Wendy, so Wendy sat in the chair, but then, poor thing, the chair broke. And so she was literally humiliated in front of this whole party. And then the little girl's mom was like an absolute bitch too. Because, like, Wendy and her mom are leaving, and the girl's mom just, like, slams the door in their face. Well, I have to hold on to my brand here and mention that it was quite a spread of sweets. (laughs) It was. Yeah, they had a a sweets montage, Kurt. Did they? It was a montage? Yeah, like, as as they were getting ready for the, the... To cut to the party scene, they had a whole montage of, like, panning over the table of sweets. Because it was right after it was, like, drilled into us that Wendy, uh, you know, had a problem with eating too much, or at least that's how her parents saw it. Then they cut to all this, uh, you know, food that's bad for you. Right. already broken that chair, too. Right. And she still, like, eats (laughs) a lot. Like, she's really big on – she loves eating. She talks about it all the time. She talks about how she eats Doritos and caviar. (laughs) (laughs) So then they show a scene – that um, that she she's in the store with her mom, and she goes over to the tabloid section. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of me when I was that age, because I, too, would go to the tabloid section and read all the tabloids. It's happening with Will's cat these days. And I remember, like, the highlight, my mom was, my mom would get the National, Inqu- the National Enquirer in the mail every week, because we lived overseas, we lived overseas, so my mom would get the, the National Enquirer in the mail every week, and I would take it when she was done and read about Studio 54, because it was always, every week was about Studio 54 and who went, and Elizabeth Taylor was always, back when she was married to Senator Warder, they were always talking about Elizabeth Taylor and Liza Minnelli and Halston. Who's Halston? Who's Halston? Halston was a designer who was popular back then, who's who is no longer with us. Okay. I've never even I never even heard of Halston before. You've heard no. of Halston, right, Jason? I've heard of Halston, but I, I couldn't tell you anything about design aesthetic or anything like that. And but I remember being a little kid and like being a little jealous that I couldn't go to Studio 54. And look at me today. Yeah. <laughs> <Holy>. <laughs> but then little, so little Wendy had other issues. She was a bad wetter. We, we kind mom, of get through it without even a, a line of dialogue explaining it, but just by, um, uh, through a, a simple action in the movie, we get the impression that Wendy has a little money. Her family has a little bit of money. Yes. Oh, and yeah? so yeah. and so Wendy fills it in. So both of Wendy's parents were teachers. Okay. And and so yes. Yeah, I'm just because referring to because after Wendy wets the bed, she's like hiding the sheets in the closet and like a cleaning woman comes in and takes them from her. And uh. now what now what Wendy said that she left out is the fact that Wendy was like the only black kid in her neighborhood. And this is all through growing up. They always, yeah. 
lived in white neighborhoods. Yeah, I so got that impression that with the party. Pressure too. Yeah. Yeah. So she so yeah. she said that that was an extra pressure too, along with everything else. She also said that later on that street became known as Wendy Williams Way. Yes. Yeah. She showed them. So then she says that, um, so this is a, g- a good bit of advice. Cause then yeah. she says like she, she, um, when she went to college, she started in radio and she said, it's always been her thing to always have a plan. Always have a backup plan. There were certain things in this movie that I wondered if this is how Wendy had always approached her life growing up or, or, uh, or the way things actually happened for Wendy, or if they made a choice in the movie to show younger women that might be watching this how to empower themselves. For instance, uh-huh. when she was kind of feeling down on herself about being called fat, she pulls out this book of colleges, and she's looking through a book of colleges, sort of aspiring to that. And like throughout actually, the movie, pretty much all of her bosses throughout the movie were women. That's really unusual in radio to have that many female bosses back in the 80s and 90s. And actually, she says on, the sh- on her show that, no, she said when she was a little kid, she always knew that going to college was like her way out. Because she, she said she always wanted to escape. Mm-hmm. And she knew yeah. that she had to get into college so she could escape her family. Nice. Um, oh, so it's unusual to have a lot of uh, women bosses in radio? Yeah, less so now, I'd say, although even now it's it's still more of a boys club probably. But, like, you know, I'm not that much younger than Wendy, and I started in radio probably about eight years after her. And, uh-huh. you know, I didn't have a, a female program director till many years into working in the business. And she seemed wow. to have, like, female boss after female boss. And that, and when we get to that part, I have questions for you too. Okay. Because all of the program directors all looked like they were about to have nervous breakdowns. Oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty on point. <laughs> so she started doing radio in Washington D.C. She developed a little cocaine habit. Mm-hmm. A little. A lot. Um, then she talks about how, um, one of her guests actually basically duped her into going back into his hotel and he attacked her. Did you notice which, which, which hotel it was? No, what hotel was <laughs> it? They show, so they, uh, like she's basically interviewing this guy, uh, Ricky Tony. And they're flirting hard during the interview, and he's like, hey, let's hang out. And so they they go back to his hotel so he can change, and they show the exterior of the hotel. It was the Watergate. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that would, like, if they actually stayed, you know, if Wendy actually stayed there, or if that they just chose that because they knew it was a famous hotel in Washington and people would recognize it. Right. But... But the thing is, so Wendy was attacked and like mm-hmm. she just went to work the, like she went to work the next day. Uh, she like she got up and went to work the next day and so um she's and 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 like and like her boss said something shady to her like, "Oh, I see you went home with him." Um but then she talks about what I like about Wendy Williams, she's always she's very goal oriented too. 
very focused, very goal oriented. And so she said that it was her goal to get on a radio station in New York. And I guess that was like the big thing is to get. Mm -hmm. Now, Jason, is it like you want to get in a big market? Yeah, like you, you, you always want to go to a larger market because there's more money and more audience. New York, and they, you know, the markets for radio, they, it's media market size. So New York is obviously the biggest market. L.A. would be number two. Chicago is number three. Like D.C. is a big one. Like it's a top ten. So is Philadelphia, where she ends up. Um, but New York is the the prize. So then, so after her. After her getting attacked, that basically just kind of fueled her even more. And so she just starts, you know, she says, like, she decided not to be fearful anymore and just go for it. So then she says that she ended up getting a job, like a part-time gig in New York. Mm -hmm. So she would work in D.C. during the week and then work in New So she's basically working seven days a week. She'd work in D.C. Yeah. and then drive up to New York and work in New York. Yeah, that's a very common thing in radio, especially when you're like near a major market, but you're not in the, the market that you want to be in. You'll, you'll work full time in the smaller market, like, you know, where I grew up in, in uh, Allentown. A lot of people there would work weekends in Philadelphia or New York. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a lot of work. Because yeah. you worked a lot. Mm -hmm. Was she doing? Was she doing two shows a day? No, was she, she was. Doing? She was doing DC during the week, and then would either drive or take the train up to New York, and then do a weekend show there. Okay. Like now that w the way they do it is what's called voice tracking, where you're in one city, but you can like record your audio ahead of time and just do it. Uh, you know, because it's, it's all pre-recorded now for the most part. Um, you just do your show from wherever. Well, like Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. Because Ryan Seacrest is in New York, mm -hmm. but his show, he does a show here. He's mostly live on his show, uh, but there is an overlap of the time that he's on the air with Kelly, so that stuff's all pre-taped. But, um, but I'm talking about, like, when I was in Los Angeles, for instance, I did a an afternoon show in San Diego, uh, but I wasn't live. I would just pre-record it. And I did a night show in Pennsylvania, but I would pre-record it. Uh -huh. So it's a lot easier now than it was. Yeah, but everyone's doing like 10 jobs as opposed to two now. Right. Oh, and then she says, which I found impressive, that she has never been unemployed for more than two weeks. That's great. So then she says, like, um, one of the reasons why she wanted to work in New York was because her idol named Carol Ford was there. And so she basically, she wanted to get a gig in this radio station. And so she literally went and waited in the lobby for two weeks and would just read tabloids all day until mm -hmm. she kind of wore them down. And so she got a fill-in gig and she goes on this fill-in gig and starts just like talking trash. She's and so the Milly Vanilli. Right. And hey, she turned out to be right because she was talking about how Millie Vanilli, how there was a rumor that Millie Vanilli were weren't really singing, and I guess at the time people didn't believe her. But um, the the program director comes running in, and you think she's going to get in trouble. Well, she did it first. 
It was such a yeah. stupid scene. It was such a stupid scene because he comes in her and he's like uh, – going after about about Wendy like hey we can't we don't do that here and then Wendy's just like it's real people want to know this and then he's like that's brilliant <laughs> he, like a, he does a, a, an immediate 180 on his opinion on whether or not she should be talking about this stuff on air and like light bulb goes on he's like oh, I'm gonna give you a contract right he said and then he gets fired the next week. yeah What's it's revolution it's yeah. revolution he, look, yeah. he looks like somebody just <laughs> knocked him on the back of his head with a rowing boat oar. I mean, he, he is, it's, it's revolutionary. <laughs> You're a hired. Yeah. yeah it, it looked like he got fired like the next week. Like, did that happen to Jason? Like programmable directors? Get oh fired? yeah. 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 The last uh, like radio station I worked at, not radio job, a radio station I worked at. I was there for under four years and had four different program directors in that time. Wow. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so, so Wendy got a contract, continued to do Coke. Um, well, she can afford it now. Right. And then, um, so then, so one, <laughs> so one night she's at this nightclub and she's doing Coke in the bathroom in a stall. And someone's like, hey, are you Wendy Williams? And starts giving her a bunch of gossip. <laughs> About this girl group that's owned by P. Di- that was owned by P. Diddy. Yeah. Um, and so her gossiping started to kind of get her into trouble because she kind of had to hire. She had to hire a bodyguard. Skelter. But I guess her bodyguard would get her coke too. Or no, Skelter was her assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Skeletor was her assistant. Skelter. And so. Then she starts, Wendy starts dating this DJ and like he was an ass. What if like, she's one, with Eric B. Yeah. From Eric Rakim. Mm-hmm. Wait. So this is a, so, so this was. Yeah, the yeah. These, these, cele- these celebrities that she was name checking in the movie. This is all real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, song, the leader. I have one of their cassettes. Right or something. Oh, because see, I wasn't sure if it was an amalgamation or if it was a real person. So, wow. Okay. So it was a real person. Yeah. That song Rakim is said. Follow the leader, Rock Kimase. Yeah. Well, I like there's a love scene. She's like, oh, yeah, Eric B. Eric B. Ah. Oh. Is that what well, people say? Oh, oh yes. LL Cool J. Ah, oh, yeah, give it to me. I wish LL Cool yeah, J. Yeah, with LL, hell yeah. <laughs> but Eric B was not a good boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> he was. So like he borrowed her, he borrowed her car, and she was like, you know, he would borrow her car and stayed out mm-hmm. for the day and made her late for work, and so she decided to be a nice girlfriend and rent him a car, and he never returned the rental. Uh, that what happened? I was, yeah. I was a little confused. I missed something there. So he never, never returned the rental. Eric B. He returned the rentals. Cause yeah, cause Skeletor was like <laughs> Wendy, uh, the the. The the rental place is calling, and they're gonna like put out a, a a warrant for your arrest if you don't return the car. So then Wendy finds out that she's pregnant, and so she does not want to be pregnant, and so she goes and she gets an abortion. And it was right around this time in the movie too that we uh, we see our first of many bleeped out f words. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So for you, the theatrical version, they'll leave those in. 
Uh, maybe if they do a, uh, uh, like if this is on the Amazon Prime or something. I mean, like, I didn't even mind that they did it. I thought it was a very kind of bold choice because normally in storytelling for something for commercial television, they just will write around saying those words as opposed to leaving them in and bleeping them out. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, oh. So, so then Wendy's at a club. She's at a nightclub. She went to a lot of nightclubs. Yeah. So, so Wendy's at this nightclub and she's like getting bottle service or whatever. And so this guy, Kevin, sees her from across the room and slips her his number. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of looks at the number and puts it in her purse. And so then she gets a job at Kiss FM. And then she's going through her purse and she finds his number in her purse. And so she calls him. I guess this was during the days of caller ID when you could star 69. Because she called and hung up and then he called right back. So I guess he star 69-er. And then um, she asks him out. And they start dating. And then she just, you know, she starts telling him about her life and how she had a battle with bulimia for a little bit. And um, and then she's like, listen, dude, I'm getting a boob job and I'm getting a lipo. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. <laughs> I like how the first date was just sitting in a car. And she was yeah. grilling him. She was she was grilling him on all the things that I'm glad she was asking him. Like basically, like, do you have a job? Is this car actually yours? You know, do you have any other girlfriends? Do you have any other women that uh, think they're your girlfriend, even though they're not? <laughs> right. Yeah. As they were sitting him. Yeah. As they were sitting in the car drinking out of red solo cups. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Uh, oh. So I loved this sort of a montage. I loved her after her boob job montage. Because <laughs> she gets her boob job at her liposuction, and then she does like a slow-mo walking in, and everyone's looking at her boobs as she's walking by them. And another thing I liked about this is that they had, like, this movie could have been a great soundtrack because it's like all these 90s songs. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, they, what song is playing when she walks in? It was, there was, it was some recognizable song. I don't know any of the words. I don't know what that is, so hopefully we don't have to pay royalties. No, I don't I didn't say the words. Yeah. I don't know what song that was. Yeah. Um, so then, <laughs> so then she's back on air and she's talking about her boob job, mm-hmm. and so she gets in trouble. So, so <laughs> program directors are that frazzled. They well, in- so it's it's yes and no. Like I'm I'm sure they were they were um, condensing several different characters and reactions to this down into one character to sort of speed the story along. Um, but I did think it was kind of absurd that they would get so upset and like walk in the studio and like immediately pull her off the air. They wouldn't, they wouldn't go that far. You, you would get what's called a hotline. So every radio uh, studio has a number that basically only like the program director and the other staff members have, and the listeners can't call. So if you're getting hotline, like after a break like that, that means the program director is upset. Oh, wow. 
So if that phone rings, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. I'm in trouble. Yeah, because th- that job's there's a lot of pressure because you're, you're feeling it from both sides. You're trying to take care of the creatives on your staff while at the same time trying to keep the sales team happy. It's, uh-huh. it's a no-win position, really. Have you, have you ever gotten a call when you're working? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and so, so um, she, and so like, so P. Diddy was mad at her. And so um, P. Diddy, oh, that's right. So P. Diddy was mad at her. And so P. Diddy sent his girl group over to kick her ass. Yes. <laughs> the group total. Total. Yeah. And so, Isn't because I guess. What's that, Kurt? Isn't that a serial? It is it a is. serial as well, but it was a girl group, yes. Because oh, okay. the, the rumor was that, like, when she was in the bathroom, the girl in the bathroom told her that Total, was, they were broke because Diddy wasn't paying them. Oh, okay. So, Diddy... <laughs> Diddy, I guess maybe he promised them a bonus or something because he sent them over to kick her ass. But then, and I like how Skeletor like went out to like check first. I know. But the, Could you imagine you're getting into music and like, oh, you're, you, you start a group and like your job is to go out and hunt someone down. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I didn't get into this for this. I, I was in my school musical in high school and that didn't prepare me for kicking someone's ass. I don't think Diddy sent them over because I think the the fact that they were broke was Diddy's fault. So I don't think Diddy's going to like they're going to listen to him. I think they were upset because they didn't want people smack talking them. Right. Oh, P. Diddy. I saw P. Diddy one time. I went to see uh, Jamie Foxx. Somebody I know invited me to go see Jamie Foxx and Fantasia at Madison Square Garden. And we're in like the second row. And we look up and there's P. Diddy and his posse are up in the balcony and he had to leave. he left early to avoid the crowds oh <laughs> so so wendy's about to get beat up and then kevin comes and saves the day and like yells at them yeah. and so so wendy is so in love with kevin that she then decides that she's gonna quit doing coke and so she said she's quit on the spot and she quit cold turkey so then she starts she starts doing gossip and then there's like a few radio montages mm-hmm. of her like good morning new york and she's like gossiping and stuff yeah but then major stars really didn't want to do her show anymore because she would give them a hard time cuz she became like a shock jock like howard stern yeah and and I remember back then, and she was known as like the female Howard Stern. That's how people would describe her, because I remember that. And so then her boss, and so then her, Diddy then did get mad at her boss. Right. And so the boss was like, listen, Diddy just called me, and I have all these people like up my ass and they're not going to send people to this show anymore. So I am not going to put you on the air anymore. But I'm going to continue to pay you. Um, and so Wendy found a loophole, which the lesson from that was always read your contract. Because she found a loophole. 
And the loophole was she couldn't, she had a non-compete in New York. So she just went to Philadelphia, which was what, a couple of hours away from New York. And then just started doing radio there. Yeah. She was on Power 99, which I used to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so, so, and I guess basically it was a lower rated station. So she could kind of, so getting her was a get. Well, well yes I'm, and I'm, no. Yes and no. It was, it, it's a get in the sense that she was doing well in New York, but the Philadelphia audience didn't know her. So she's not automatically going to do well there. Um, mm-hmm. And she just needed a job. So, and I right. think the station wasn't doing real great when she first got there. So she Car- moves to Philadelphia. Car- Car- is a major, major station. Oh, it is now. But I, I, I'm thinking at the time, I and mean, this is what, 30 years ago. 30 years ago is when I listened to it. Yeah. yeah. Mike Jackson, he was on there. I don't know. Shout out to Mike Jackson for Power 99. Yeah. 1986. <laughs> So, so then she discovers that she's pregnant, but she has a miscarriage. And then it turns out she ends up having like a bunch of pregnancies and a bunch of miscarriages. And like ones that carried pretty far into the pregnancy. Like she had two yeah. that went five months in. Yeah. Yeah. Which that must have been just like heartbreaking. Yeah. I like because- Yeah. I, I, I know it's hard to on the humor in this, this part, but I, I like the doctors, the actors who play the doctors. So one walked in with like a, like a really serious look on his face. Like he was really practicing that look. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they eat her and her Kevin decided to get married and then she got pregnant again. And so the doctor basically explained to her what was going on, which I guess she had a week, cervix Mm -hmm. and so he was like if you just go on bed rest you'll be baby to term and so what she did is then she said that she oh so then she brought it up to her bosses her bosses weren't that nice about it but they let her do the radio show from her bed Mm -hmm. and she said put on 103 pounds yeah but I guess if you're in bed for nine months. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she, and she carried the baby to term. And so she had the baby. But then she caught her husband on, a fo- on the phone with another woman. Or as she put it on the show, she caught him talking on the talk show. She said, I caught him talking greasy to another woman. Oh, wow. That guy Kevin had a real and so, draw too. He's always like, "Yeah," he sounded like that. So then, this boys and girls is how you sneak okay. and how you snoop. Right, get your pens, you get your pens and pads out, kids. <laughs> I was impressed with her snooping because she she suspected her husband was having an affair. She put on a hat. And a disguise <laughs> and followed him. And then she hired a private detective because when she confronted him about cheating, she had pictures that she threw at him. Oh, wait, Les, have you ever put on a disguise to, to sneak oh, around? Oh, good question, Kurt. I have 
put on a hat and yes i put on glasses to sneak around i have what what what, of like what kind of hat and what kind of glasses like just a normal baseball cap or was it like i'm gonna wear an uncle sam uh red white and blue top hat (laughs) no i put on a baseball cap and i would like hide in my car i did do that once so what's funny about that, and both for you and for Wendy in this movie, is you're hiding in something that's much larger than you that will also be recognizable to the person that you're snooping on. No, because I wasn't close up. I was far away. But that's my point being, like, it's your car. But I was far enough away that they weren't able to see my car. Like I was, I wasn't ob- like I wasn't obvious. Okay. Like I was back away. Like you'd ha- you'd have to be looking for my car to see that it was my car. Okay. So okay. So you just had the disguise just in case they would look over. Well, m- at the time I had longer dreadlocks, and so I had to hide them. But but if you're far enough away where the car won't be seen, then why were you concerned about you being seen? Because you have to take all precautions. And I'm going to come up with a podcast years later. You, know? <laughs> you have to take precautions. I'm still not sure that I'm on board with the logic here, but okay. <laughs> I don't know what, what it was about, but I think that might get into some sticky territory. <laughs> oh, the next. It was an X. Yeah. We'll leave it there. <laughs> so, so then, oh, so then she got a job back in New York again. And then she wrote a book and she let it all hang out in her book. Now, this is where I got engrossed in the movie and stopped taking notes. Okay. So, what happened next? Well, well, Wendy had, um, because she had found out that, that Kevin had a side piece, she uh, goes to the doctor and she gets an IUD. She insists on it, so she doesn't have more kids with him. For um, 10 years, right? Yeah. It was like a 10-year... Yeah. And she gets hired at a, a WBLS, which is in Long Island. Um, right. Uh, which in radio would not really be considered New York City. Uh, okay. Uh, not not bad. It's still it, it's a very well known station, but that's not New York. Uh, and then she was supposed to start working on nine eleven at, at this mm. new job. So right. she, you know, she's kind of figuring out her life. She she writes a book. There's going to be a big launch in Times Square, but Wendy's all depressed about it, and she's like moping in bed. And Kevin kind of comes in and cheers her up. Right. Um. And then he, and then there's he becomes her manager. Then right, yeah. And her show's and, like taken off, and she's like dishing more about celebrities on air. That's really become her thing at this point. She's talking to Whitney, and she asks Whitney if she's still on drugs. Then she talks to Mariah, which those are both famous interviews. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, like famous, famous. Like that was even before. That was happened even before she wasn't even on here in the in California yet. Mm-hmm. And those were like newsworthy interviews that we all heard about here. Yeah. It's basically those kind of interviews that that they, they didn't really go into this movie, but Wendy had a nationally syndicated uh, radio show at one point. Right. Okay. 
She also and, said big things for someone named Kanye. She did. <laughs> she did what? She sees big things for Kanye. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. Like I said. So then she's said. So, so then Kevin keeps on cheating. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's like ends up being like the same girl. Like it's mm-hmm. the same woman. Yeah. And He's a telemarketer. He's got bad excuses. So woman it's the same number keeps calling him. Mm, it's a telemarketer. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> she saw through that. And she, and she catches him every time. Yeah. And then like, she gets mad at him. She says, um, she says, What are you why are you always wearing sunglasses at night? Who are you, Corey Hart? <laughs> <laughs> There's a shout out to um one of those crossover Canadian pop stars who who really made it in the U.S. with that song. I wear my sunglasses at night. So, so then that was one of the so first like celebrities I ever met when I got into radio was Corey Hart. Who Corey Hart? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this is back in what 1992, I want to say. Uh, it was like long uh, after Sunglasses at Night was a yeah. hit. He was on like yeah. his third album, trying to get another hit. It didn't really happen. That's like eight years later, yeah. Yeah. Right. So then, so then she gets approached about a talk show, and because she had already done one talk show, the Wendy Williams Experience, and so then she gets approached about another talk show, and her husband turned it down, right? Or he was—he was not in, in, in the producing company, Debmar Mercury, was like calling, trying to get a meeting with her, and he wasn't calling him back. And his reasoning was like, we're not doing one of these like panel shows where you're like part of this other group. Like it's either all about you or it's not like from a, a managerial standpoint, he wasn't wrong. Right. And so, so then the show starts to have, they get like a, a, a six week trial. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. They actually, this is kind of just some like inside baseball this is a, a thing that they've been doing with a lot of tv shows now and it started with hers where she got a six-week test run in the summer to see if like she had what it takes to like be doing a daily show with the kind of grind that it has and be able to put out content every day and it was very successful so they got picked up for a full season and now they do that all the time because that's what i started watching and she called it her six-week sneak peek mm-hmm. And I remember watching going, oh, my God, she's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I love her. So she's, so she's working hard, and her husband is working hard at chasing tail. Uh-oh. Yes. And so um, the show starts happening. There's a show montage. Mm-hmm. And then she, but she always, basically, she knew he was cheating pretty much the whole time. Like, it was, it was kind of a surprise, but not really a surprise. When she was surprised at how brazen it was and at what level it was. Because he, like, bought another house. Ten minutes away. Yeah. It was a nice house, too. And had it set up like the woman, like he was basically playing house with the other woman. And so this was one of my favorite parts. And this is the part she talked about today on the show. 
because she said it was even more than they showed on the show. So she said, yes, she did find the other house. And she went, and so she said she went to the art department and got a color of spray paint that was really gaudy that he would know it was her. <laughs> that's, a, that's an amazing detail. And then she says, and then she said also, then she said she went to the fish market and bought like some whole fish. And so she spray painted it, but put fish in the garage too. Yeah, we're referring to Wendy like finds the house and then just vandalizes the garage yeah. door. Right. And, 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 and spray paint writes Kevin plus Wendy forever. Yeah. <laughs> she also super glued the mailbox. Yes. Oh, I missed that. That's amazing. Yes, she did. Yes, she super glued the mailbox. I couldn't open the mailbox anymore. And 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 then she's like, and then and she was like, yes, he really did leave the. They did. They were. She said they were gone on vacation, and he really did leave the garage unlocked. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and she's kind of shaming. She's kind of catty, but that just leaves the garage door open. Well, that was a a callback to an earlier beat in the movie where she asked him when things started getting tense between them. She asked him if he closed the garage door because he was always leaving it open. So that was a a, a callback. Oh, so she's, but she's still pissed. She, he even does it at the other house. Yeah. And then she went on to say, because it's kind of funny, it's kind of cool, like, watching the show and having her film. Like, then she said, like, there were a couple of people who she had fights with because he would go to Florida or he'd go to Miami with his other woman, and they would say, you know, tell the press or tell some gossip rag that they saw him with another woman and Wendy would like think that they were full of crap. And so she's like, I need to go back and apologize to these people because they were actually right the entire time and they were calling it out and it was true. Yeah. So, so then she starts, so then he gets even more brazen because he then gets, of the woman pregnant. And so she's like really, so Wendy of course is really upset and really depressed as you would be if you found out that your husband got another woman pregnant and she was mm-hmm. gonna have the baby. And well, also we kind of so skipped over the fact that she basically after she discovered that he had this house with this woman, she didn't completely end things because they, their son was still home. They were, she was basically kind of riding out the relationship until the son went to college. Oh, that's right. And then she said, but she had him, but she said she was planning the entire time. Yeah. And Kevin's mad at her. He's like, I understand you. I understand you went to my investment property. Yeah. Yeah. And he was brazen, too. He was very brazen about it. Yeah. Because his kid's kind of like, yeah, well, yeah, I have another woman. Whatever. (laughs) Well, I think at that point, he knows he's caught. Like, what, you know, denying it isn't going to do him any good in that moment. But you can apologize. Yeah. Like, you didn't (laughs) even do that. I apologize. I'm still having an affair. (laughs) Well, or at least kind of fake it. Like he was, he was kind of like, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. So, but then she started drinking for good, you know, for uh, for good reason. Yeah. 
because she was like, because she was like, hang it. You like, you know, she's like stuck in this marriage, waiting it out. And it was like for two years, because she said she waited out for two years. And then she even mentioned, you know, two years is actually a long time. Oh, yeah. So she starts drinking and then they show the infamous scene Mm -hmm. where, oh, so then they show the infamous scene where she is dressed as the Statue of Liberty. And I was watching that day because it was a Halloween episode. Mm -hmm. I remember this. Mm -hmm. She, yeah, she's Big dressed story. as a Statue of, Li- of Liberty and she starts talking and she gets glassy-eyed and she faints on camera. And so um, he gets her, he, the, and he, he wakes her up and then she ends up go, like waking up and finishing the show. Like, but he basically, get- he like gaslights her into going to rehab after this. Yes. Yes, because he was like, he was like, you need help. You're an alcoholic. You need to go to rehab. Um, and if you don't, because he was like, if you don't go, you're gonna end up losing the show. So, I, oh, and then one of the things that I skipped is like it showed like he started getting so brazen, like he would be late for for company meetings and show meetings, but he would expect her to wait for him. But then she started kind of getting empowered and going, well, no, cause the show's got to function. And he mm-hmm. would show up, get pissed at her for basically doing her job yeah. and like making sure that the show, making sure that the show functioned. So yeah. So he gaslights her into going to rehab that was very nice rehab. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> like, her suite at this rehab is nicer than my apartment. It had a pretty right. nice apartment. It was like a nice studio apartment. I think there was like a little, a little kitchen off the side. No, it was a full-size kitchen. There were like stools at the, the countertop, like multiple stools. Right. Yeah. And so... Um, but but she's still kind of like plotting his demise while she's at this rehab, and um, oh, and then this is a part two where she then says like in the show she was like she was like during this part she's like she did it and just went to the rehab because she was like nobody would believe her because he had like everybody else in her family like her parents and everybody else kind of snowed too, so she just went to like to like plot. So then um, the show actually starts to suffer because she's taking this time off. And so during this time, they had like just a bunch of guest hosts that didn't do well because I was watching it and they would have these shitty guest hosts. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like one time it was no offense to Jerry O'Donnell. And I like Jerry, Jerry O'Connell. O'Donnell, but like. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell. Sorry. They had like they had Jerry O'Connell replace her for a while. Genuinely nice they, guy, by the way, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. I've met him once. I was back when I was catering, I had a gig at their house. Him uh, and Rebecca uh, Romaine's house. I, Very nice people. I was in an improv class with Jerry and his brother Charlie. Uh, uh-huh. and then I also worked with Jerry on the TV show, The Defenders, where Jim Belushi was a dick to me. Uh, oh, uh, oh, Jerry Con- O'Connell was on that show too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, so that so during that time though, they had like all these guest hosts, and it was just like, and and the show was like just losing all these ratings. So she's like, I gotta get my ass back to New York to save my show. Mm-hmm. So he was like, okay, so he was like, you can come back to New York, but you're gonna have to go into a sober living. But the sober living was more like a jail. And is that so, sober living? What is sober living? Exactly? So after you get out of rehab, after you get after you get out of rehab, you can go into what is called a sober living so that you can work on your sobriety more because rehab is a lot of times rehab is only like between 28 and 30 days. Mm-hmm. So you're sobered up but you're still not ready to go yeah. back into the real world. Yeah, sober again. living is kind of like an on ramp back into your life. Right. Uh, okay. And you have, but so her situation was she had a couple of people watching her the whole time, pretty much. Right. She had Cause these it, escorts, people who were right. escorting. Because it was, so for hers, hers was like, it was sober living, but it was kind of jail and sober livings are a lot like rehabs where they're really nice sober livings like rehabs and they're shitty sober livings she was in a shitty well so was she in a shitty sober living or was kevin because weren't these just her drivers to and from the sober living i i feel like these were just guys that that were like quote-unquote bodyguards that kevin brought in but he basically brought him in to like keep her captive that's how i took it right and because she said, like, they followed her 24-7. Yeah. So, so one day, so she would do the show and literally just go straight back to the sober living as he, as Kevin's living it up with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So um, she started planning stuff. So she had planned this meeting and the guys, her drivers, we're like, no, you're not going to this meeting. You're going back to the sober living. And so they're caught in New York traffic. And she literally, like, gets out of the car and just starts running. And runs to her meeting. Yeah. And starts hmm. plotting shit to take her show back. Yeah, because her thinking was, I need to take back the narrative on my life. Right. Which she did. Yeah. So what she, she did it. And so and I remember watching that day too, because one day she was like she went um she she went on the show and was like, Well, so this is what's going on. I was in rehab. This is what happened. Oh, and I love the part too, they when they showed her like at AA meetings and she's like I'm Wendy and I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. And so, and then even she said, like, on the show, she's like, I'm not an addict. I'm not. Um, and it was just, she said it was basically the situation, which, when you think about it, that was a high pressure situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so she's, and so, yeah, so she was, and so, yeah, she said, basically she was kind of gaslighted into thinking she was an addict when she was not. Um, 
so then um, she then files for divorce, right? Yeah, she files for divorce, and then Kevin goes to meet her at the sober house, like, after hours, and she chews him out, and then that's when she tells him that the divorce papers are already on his desk. Yeah, that's where she gives her Emmy monologue. Yeah. Right. So then another thing that she says that happened in real life, which I wish they would have showed this on the show. So she said that, like, once she decided to divorce him, see, because he had, like, a bunch of nice cars and a bunch of nice things, and he would blow her money. She went and had the cars repoed. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did he get any money from this this divorce? Probably. She has to pay him alimony. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. She has, she has to pay him alimony, but she says that it's a lot less than the life that he's accustomed to. Yeah. Because cause she has a syndication deal, right? Like, oh, yeah. she makes, like, probably, what, like, 30 million? Like, probably something like that, yeah. If she owns the show, or if, she leases, yeah. if she's lease and owner. Right. So... She so she then gets rid of him because he was the manager. He kind of ran the show as well. And so she gets rid of him and then she is like totally empowered, like totally empowered, which I think this was a good message for women. Yeah. Um, and then you could tell like the show became more fun for her to do. And it became like, I like the montage where he's gone and so everybody's dancing. In the office, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a single lady. And everybody, and it was like a single lady montage with, oh man. Actually, when, like the, a, when, they, when they talked about that and they started that montage, it was like, oh, she's, they're going to show her like screwing around with lots of guys now that she's single. I thought that's where that was going, but it's like, oh, we're at the end of the movie now. Right. You know, but you know, she talks about but she does screw around with guys because she talks her. about that every day. Good for yeah. her. But yeah, so then the end of the movie, like they're dancing and she's like in control and mm-hmm. and basically she took her life back. Yeah. And it was I'll like, you go, it. girl. She did it. How old is Wendy Williams? 50. She's probably like 57 seven. or 8, yeah. 57, 58. Yeah. Right. Kurt, where'd you go? Oh, there you are. Yeah, no, Kurt walked off. Kurt, Kurt stormed off set. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I, I was to stand for that, that Wendy Williams is that age. Yes. Ladies and that, not and that was it. Well, and no, the, 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 the movie happened. ended with, like, the real Wendy Williams talking to camera now, but not talking directly to camera. I, I thought this is so weird, the way they filmed this. It's... At first glance, you're like, oh, it's like Wendy talking directly to camera. But then you realize, like, she's actually not. She's facing a mirror, and the camera is pointed at the mirror for the entire... It was so bizarre. Why they didn't just have her talk right into the camera? Right. And then, I didn't know if you guys watched it, but then the movie went straight into the documentary where she's talking as she's eating Doritos and caviar. (laughs) That's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And to be honest, yeah. I enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed the movie, but the documentary was even better than the movie. 
because yeah, he knew Wendy Williams' world, so it was a, it was definitely a, a great primer, a great introduction. Now I know. I've learned so much over the years by being on this show. <laughs> I I enjoyed it too, and normally when I watch things where they portray radio in movies, I always get really upset at at like how much they get wrong, and they they still you know they took some license here, but overall I was I was happy that it was portrayed pretty realistically in how things generally happen. Which my takeaway is, oh my god, radio seems like just a rough. That's like a rough oh, yeah. business. Yeah, even more so now. I mean, back then they actually, you know, someone in New York could actually make some real money. Now, if you're just starting out in the city, you're, you know, you're still coming in and making not a whole lot of money. Because, yeah, the thing and the thing is like just the fact that I, I noticed, you know, knowing nothing about radio, I just noticed like, wow, these program directors are like stressing for their lives yeah. and get fired on a dime. It's insecurity uh, piled on insecurity, fighting with other people's insecurity. There you go. There you go. That's that's why I I switched over to the glamorous world of podcasting. Right? See? There you go. But aren't they saying, but I've been hearing that podcasting is the new radio. Oh, yeah. In terms of the way it connects with people, it absolutely is. It's yeah, podcasting is the new radio. Well, and you can listen you can listen to whatever kind of content whenever you want. It's it's all on demand, similar to the way Netflix changed TV. Right. You know, li- live radio, there are certainly uh, arguments to be made for keeping it around for you know, for live events and for breaking stories and whatnot, but the nature of every bit of radio needing to be done live, it's, it's not necessary anymore. And another thing about radio, too, it sounds like it's just restrictive just because she would get it. Because some of the times she would get in trouble for talking about stuff that wasn't bad. Imagine 30 years ago, it was... It, wasn't real common for people to talk much about their personal lives on the radio, much less like the details of like going under the knife for a boob job. So, you know, that's just like, you know, the moral police of the time had a different barometer than we have of now. Right. Right. And that's what, but I do like that about podcasting is that you have the freedom to talk about anything. Cause even you, we can fucking now- curse. YouTube is now very restrictive. Oh yeah. Um, you because um, uh, I know a couple of vloggers, and so now YouTube you can get flagged for saying like like mentioning drugs or mm-hmm. like because uh, I had some I have another I have another podcast um, the Reality Reading Rainbow where it's like. And so I had it, and I talk about reality shows and reality stars, and I had a guest today on the show. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking, and he goes, well, you know, this one person did the C word, and I'm like, what do you mean? And he was like, you know, drugs, the C word. And I was like, wait, cocaine? That's not and the he C was word. like, cocaine it is, the C word. No, okay. a C word means something else. 
<laughs> Ask your female well, And this is a younger guest, too. Yeah. So, so was it that, that he was just, like, was brought up where, like, he's not supposed to talk about that kind no, of stuff? No, 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 no. Um, what happens is, because then he was talking about something else, and he was talking about uh, suicide, and he was like, you know, S, the S. And so, no, what it is is he's, he's a vlogger on YouTube. So YouTube is getting strict now. So YouTube, you can't say words like cocaine. You can't say words like suicide or murder. Is it that, get, is it that he can't say it, or is it that saying it it will will cause people to get up in arms and he may get no. canceled in that way? No. What it is is you if you have a monetized podcast or a mon if you have a monetized youtube channel if you say words like that you can get flagged and they will not pay you Got and it. can shut down your channel yeah wow. so well, like you can't even like you can't like if you swear on a youtube channel you won't they'll take away your monetization for that too for that episode. Hmm. Okay. So for anyone who's thinking about starting the murder cocaine YouTube show, you could just forget it. Yeah. So podcasting literally is like the last bastion of being able to talk about anything you want. I, I think you're going to see it shift more. And you kind of already are with people like Joe Rogan, like making headlines or saying moronic stuff. I, I it's sure. when you, you factor in the capitalist element of what we do, what YouTubers do, where, you know, if you're, you're adding an advertising component, those advertisers are going to want to say, and what kind of content their product is associated with. Right. That's why I want to start at doing, you know, like meundies and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> like meundies. Like Dan, the stuff, the stuff that like Dan Savage advertises for, because then you know, <laughs> you know that they're, that they're a lot more liberal. At the very least, we should be doing ads for Patty Labelle sweet potato pie. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've uh, yeah we've spoken very highly of that. I've had many Patty Labelle pie. I don't even really like pie, and I had a Patty Labelle pie, and it was amazing. I got a sweet potato pie. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So, Patty, if you're out there, because, Patty, you do do Hallmark movies, too. So, Patty, you can come on and talk about your pies, and we can advertise your pies and whatever Hallmark movie you're in. Indeed. Anywho, um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on my website uh, less, at com. Or you can find me on Facebook at Les Crookedall Barrett. And by the way, I actually, this weekend, if you have nothing to do, I am doing um, my one-man show, Climbing My Family Tree, as a part of the Tucson Fringe Festival. And even, and even better, because of a donor, uh, because of a, a mystery donor there, the tickets are free so you can come and you can see shows and it's it's free so go to uh tucsonfringefestival.org jason 
Uh, you can find uh, all of us on Instagram at Lifetime of Hallmark Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Shot Jason. Kurt? Uh, a couple of things going on. I Sometimes I'm a, a guest on podcasts, and uh, one that was just released, I think today, I'm a guest on the Rank and Review. This is Rank and Review, the letter N, dot C-A, and I'm on episode 183 where we do the, the crazy 80s, where we do six 80s movies. Oh, um, did you do Weird Science? We do The Running Man, Critters 2, Masters of the Universe, Earth Girls Are Easy, Brainstorm, and Maximum Overdrive. And it was a- Earth Girls Are Easy. Okay, so movie. first of all, Earth Girls Are Easy has an amazing makeover montage. <laughs> they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a lot of substance to Earth Girls Are Easy, a lot of style. And my favorite song, because I'm a blonde B, L O N D. I take listen to the podcast. You'll hear what I have to say about all that. Now, uh, other, otherwise, I'm also going to be doing my show, which is called Hooray for Speech Therapy 2021. And that's going to be on March 6th and March 14th, Pacific time, 4 p.m., March 6th, and Pacific time, 8 p.m. Uh, March 14th, and that's going to be at the Rogue Festival. So look up the Rogue Festival or look up KurtFitzpatrick.com. It's Kurt with a K, and that's yes. it. And if you want to hear other podcasts, I have two other podcasts. This week on my soap opera podcast, Soap Opera Love in the Afternoon, I have an, a wonderful interview with Jillian Bowe from Daytime Confidential. And on my... Uh, other podcast, The Reality Reading Rainbow, where I talk about reality shows and reality stars. My guest is Andrew from Andrew's Lifestyle. Uh, anything else? Yeah, that's, that's it. it for me. Well, well, that's it. So I've got to run and catch the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> so until next week, oh, bye. Bye. Bye.